What's up? It's your host, Tori, and who is ready to be petty? Welcome back to another episode of RTBP, and a bonus one, and a solo pod. I haven't done a solo pod in a really long time, so so glad you're here. We're going to talk all about Bridgerton. I am so excited. I was like literally itching (laughs) to record this podcast. I think my biggest or like my most listened to podcast in 2020 was my season one recap. So I know the listeners watch and we'll see how this one plays out. I want to give a heads up that there are going to be spoilers for the entire first and second season of the show and the first two books. I don't think I'll talk about really like anything else. And before we get into it, I want to say thanks to Miri from at Drinking Games Graham, who made a drinking game uh, chosen by me. The topic was Bridgerton for this season. Uh, you can find that on Instagram and I'll link it in the show notes. It was super fun to you know, crack a Sauv Blanc and bust out that white cheddar Annie's pasta on Friday night and uh, play along. I was live texting like, okay, I always say live texting or live tweeting when I like that's not the actual definition that I just say that that's like my influencer way of just saying like texting or tweeting while I'm watching something. It's like a bad habit that I just can't seem to break, but texting a friend throughout. So I'm going to kind of share some of the hot takes that we had while watching this season. If you want like a a deep dive of the care, like the plot analysis, the characters, like book comparisons and stuff, I think I'll do a bit of that, but like not gobs so this is just gonna be like fun hot takes like you and I are catching up over brunch about our favorite tv show I'm sure there's other podcasts that do like a fucking plot breakdown of each episode which like love but we're just gonna chat about it super cash so Bridgerton I watched it in 24 hours just like I did season one I don't think I did either in like one sitting, but I definitely did them in two sittings. So love that for me. It's such an easy show to binge. I love that the episodes don't have like a certain time. Like they're not all just like 42 minutes with like commercials. Like it is on cable. It's like it just plays out. And I love that. I wanted to speak in an English accent. Like everything in my being restrained me from opening up this podcast. Like Dear gentle reader, because my my accents are so fucking bad. But like in my head, no joke, I've been saying like we must make haste and mama uh for like three days straight. I really, really loved the first season and I really, really liked the second season. And I'll get into like some, you know, just some some thoughts. I love Regency London. I'm not like obsessed. Um, like that's not a genre I'm like obsessed with, but I really did eat this shit up. I think like just the beauty of it, like the costumes, the people, the spring settings, all of the lavish balls, like all of that stuff is really up my alley, which is like if it's actually like a historical piece, like if it's on PBS, 
Regency London, like, I'm not really super interested. But if it's, like, these empire waist ball gowns with these, like, long gloves, satin gloves, and people like Regé-Jean Page, like, I'll be watching. I love that they add in the discussion of women's place in society and I think it opens up a lot of interesting conversations about sex and how we like I as I just said this show isn't like 100% historically accurate but I think a lot of the conversations and views on sex and women among other things which I'll get into are really interesting and really show how we sometimes still have those outdated views and just kind of how long-standing and Im- impactful is that a word <laughs> just the lasting impact on some of these um, negative views about sex and women etc etc the last episode I did was episode 47 if you want to check out my season one recap and then I also touched on it with Kelly who is a romance novelist and podcaster from boobies and newbies on episode 54 so you can check those out if you want more Bridgerton content okay a few quick thoughts about like season one that impacted season two before we get into like the nitty gritty of season two Jackie Monstream asked me on my Instagram Thoughts of no Simon, even though Daphne is in it. Great cue, Jackie. Reggae Jean Page, obviously the breakout star of season one. Like, obviously, Phoebe Diviner (laughs) had two years to learn her name, didn't. (laughs) But um, obviously, she has also gotten a lot of kind of fame from this. She was in Younger. She briefly dated Pete Davidson, which is like fucking such a throwback at this point, which Kelly and I did talk about in episode 54. Regé-Jean Page was the diamond of the season. Like there is no doubt about that. And he wasn't back for season two. And we found out that he wasn't going to come back for season two, like immediately after season one was released. Devastated doesn't quite cover the feelings I felt <laughs> because and I I do feel like and I fucking love Anthony or Anthony <laughs> my my apologies my lord I do love Anthony but there's just something about Simon that is leading character worthy like he's just god I'm I'm honestly speechless because I'm thinking about the fucking scene where they're in like that ice cream parlor and he's looking at the spoon. <laughs> I know joke. I know joke. I'm fully distracted. I'm like looking at my notes like what is this scramble of letters because I'm thinking about that scene. I haven't seen that show in two years and I can just vividly remember that scene. Like it's just yeah. It, this season I feel like felt his loss. Okay two things. I'm super petty about why he didn't come back because selfishly I wanted more Simon and also I want to say on this pod I feel like I'm gonna have to use the actors like the characters and the actors real names interchangeably like I'm so sorry I'm just so stuck in the like actual world of Bridgerton that I just 
I'm viewing them as their characters. But yeah, selfishly, I wanted him back so bad. But I also understand why he wouldn't come back because they didn't really have a plot for him. And I think like because his star was shining so bright, it is hard to like put Bridgerton on the Cali for some like maybe scenes when you could have like, you know, three, six month movie uh jobs come up that you want to be available for so I do understand that Courtney friend of the pod she's gonna be coming back on and in April and we're gonna talk about the Kardashians together but she left voice message for me via speak pipe you can do the same I'll leave the uh link in my show notes if you want a comment or question included in the next episode of RTBP. But Court has a question about Simon and I'm going to play that for you now. So just some thoughts. Um, Apparently the Duke of Hastings, didn't he leave Bridgerton because he was moving on to bigger and better things because he thought he was getting so popular? But that just meant for season two, we did not get the story like as much content for Daphne. And also, have not seen this man in anything other than thirst traps on Instagram since. So, can he drag his butt back for season three with his tails between his legs so that we can get some quality family content? You're not meant for bigger, better things, bud. You're meant for steamy romance on Bridgerton. That is as big and better as you can get. Okay, so, yes, I agree. It's like, what is bigger than Bridgerton It was the most streamed Netflix TV show, I think, ever. Um, Maybe it's now been surpassed by Squid Games, but, like, literally, it is the... Yeah, it was the biggest thing. And I'm so fascinated to see how season two kind of rolls out as well. I think it's doing well in terms of numbers, but since it's, like, only been two days... Uh, Let's just wait a little bit till we see like the final numbers. But I totally agree. It's like what is actually bigger than Bridgerton? And I'm sure if he did sign on even for like a few episodes, they would have written maybe some details for him. And I love the world building. Like it just sucks. Like it was nice to see like the boxer turned club owner. Like just even those like little side characters not little side characters, but like just the expansive universe of Bridgerton. So I missed him and I fucking hate when TV shows, and this is what I talked about when we learned that Simon wasn't returning way back when. I just hate when the characters are like, oh, um, just like literally I'm thinking of Cheater Girls 3 when they're like, oh, like, Galleria is off like at school she like can't be on like our India tour it's like what (laughs) like no she would have been there so it's just kind of annoying like Daphne this season used excuses like I think just he was away the baby had like a cough and she had to stay at home like those types of things but I think especially that the queen was hosting Antony and Edwina's wedding like I think that he would at least be at that like at minimum it's kind of like in Grey's Anatomy where they like fake Christina Yang's head (laughs) they got like a stunt double 
to just show her like black curly hair on like sitting on the couch in Meredith's house when they were like grieving McDreamy because again it's like yeah maybe that character leaves you write them off you make excuses for them but they would show up at the big things so I guess that that was annoying plus I just really like the characters Simon and Daphne so I obviously just want them uh, to be part of the story the other thing I will say about this though is I get it and I feel like I just shot on him for like literally five minutes but I also do want to say like I do think race has something to say for this because I feel like sometimes people are like oh you should just be like grateful like to reggae jean page like you should just be grateful and like come back and stuff um that you like got this and it's like no that's actually like not how that works so I do want to acknowledge that as well and he doesn't need to come back his I haven't seen him in that much though I'm like I hope, I hope that you made the right decision and I hope that that decision's paying off and I hope he's getting all the, the rules in the world. I was talking to April, another listener on Insta, and she was saying that he has like a D&D thing on IMDb coming up. So I'm just like, I can't wait to see you. Like, loved your SNL performance, but like, we want to see more. I hope you're thriving out there. Okay, last thing I'll say about season one before we talk about season two is December 25th, 2020 is when season one came out and there was so much fucking hype and I really sometimes think that that was a COVID, like was all the hype because of COVID. That was COVID Christmas. I was like devo not with my family and I just watched this like literally all day like I ate breakfast with my sister and then uh went I'm pretty sure I'm like where did she go I'm pretty sure I locked myself into the room into my room and just watched this like Christ (laughs) but so I think that there was a lot of hype just because of the time of year not that I don't think the show deserves it but just like the internet breaking hype that it got and then also I just want to say sophomore seasons are like notoriously bad like if you think of like Buffy and I don't know why that's the first like thing that comes to mind I think sophomore slump is a thing and I just think yeah like you know second books albums seasons of tv movies and stuff kind of sometimes maybe don't live up to the expectations of the first or you're just so hyped that maybe you are like extra critical because you just want it to be everything, everything and more. So anyways, let's get into it. General thoughts on season two. I think I'm in the majority when I say this. It was a little bore, bore, square. And what I mean by that was that it was a little boring and a little bit square. I missed the extremely hot sex scenes. There was a lot of lack of sex. Season... <laughs> season one I think like episodes like five to eight there was like steamy sex scenes in all the episodes and I'm pretty sure this show only had like one sex scene and I'm pretty sure it was in episode seven so it was just like a long time and I love a slow burn love a enemies to lover situation but the the burn was too slow for me (laughs) And maybe that's just because, as I've alluded to on this podcast, 
uh, before. I definitely have TikTok brain for better or for worse. Thinking about watching Batman, which is a three-hour movie, actually sends chills down my spine. And I'm not even gonna lie, so Twilight, I watched it recently because I recapped it with and like just like a little discussion pod with Matthew of That's So Matthew. It's coming out April 1st and when I saw that it was two hours and trust me it's one of my favorite fucking movies I've ever watched I I had a little upper lip sweat going I'm not gonna lie so that's 100% on me but I I wanted some of that more like immediate gratification (laughs) some of that like just sprinkled in but I get it that it's like I probably wouldn't have liked it if it was just sex scenes from like side characters because you don't have like that emotional investment in them and then like for the sake of Kate and Anthony you need the slow burn so I totally get why it was like that but again I famously said on this podcast my favorite genre of tv and and book is softcore porn all of the romance novels I read Uh, fall into that category so yeah I was just like missing that but I think it's kind of been mixed bag I think that yeah some people said it was a a tad boring and the lack of sex kind of got to them but a lot of people like Kat and Lauren slid into my DMs said they loved it and I like I said I was DMing my friend Denny and we were like love hate in certain situations so I think it was a little bit mixed bag so the main storyline is Kate and Anthony and Edwina and obviously I love the banter between Kate and Anthony I'm just gonna randomly plug the my favorite book of 2021 but I read this book called Skin of the Night by C.K. Bennett and it focuses on a couple that has this type of banter it's just delicious to read I I don't know what I'm thinking of but like it's just oh my gosh Hamilton (laughs) okay also this was major Hamilton vibes like uh Kate is um Angelica and Edwina is let's go this is Angelica Eliza I don't know who Peggy is, but Kate is Ob's Angelica. Like, at least I keep... <laughs> I fucking turn off this podcast. His eyes in my life. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Hamilton. It's literally so fucking cringe because, like, I know it's, like, low-key problematic and stuff. But, like, the first, like, six songs of that musical, like, honestly get me, like, hyped for life. I, uh, I have the worst taste in music, but... Anyways, major vibes of like, finally, I've met my match of someone who can keep up with my banter and has this like competitive spirit that I do. So I I just loved that. I loved Anthony Bridgerton's glow up from season one at Ashley underscore Rose 21 says Anthony and Anthony. Sorry, I'm reading. It's really tough when you're reading Anthony. Bridgerton is delicious with like a little drooling emoji yes his pinky ring was fucking hot they got rid of his mutton chops and gave him a tan I low-key liked the mutton chops usually I'm defo like a short cropped hair kind of gal but when I saw like the flashbacks or I don't know some fucking like fan edits on Instagram or something like that I low-key kind of liked the mutton drops but they like trimmed them down and he just like looks so like 
beautiful honestly like that's the word that I want to just use to describe him and I loved his like black coats with the like satiny like bow tie but it's like it's like almost like a tad feminine it just like softens him a little bit but like it's kind of a bow tie kind of not I don't know I'm sure there's like a proper word for it and I just love how they're like he looks good soaking wet so let's just do like five scenes in the rain uh let's push him into the lake like let's just do all of these things the wet shirt lake scene ruined my life (laughs) and I just want to say that I burn for Antony using a quote from season one don't get me wrong but his actual personality he's low-key a douche he's like he's a douche and this season worked really hard Obvi to course correct his capital R rake ways but I actually don't think they did that very well. Like, I still thought by the end of the season, he was a fucking douche. She was in a coma for seven days and he didn't go to visit her. And it's like, oh, because he's like traumatized. We'll get over it. Like, the first thing she asks when she wakes up from a coma is like, did Lord Bridgerton visit? And uh, Lady Danbury's like, no. Like, I, I didn't love that, to be honest. I think people thought he was like a fuck boy for what he did with Sienna. I think that was her name, the opera singer in season one. I don't think he was, this is like, maybe I'm going to get canceled for this. I don't think that that actually was his like super downfall. Like I think the way that he views a woman, like when he was like, oh, I just need someone to like play, like I want a relationship that's fine, but I don't need to be in love with them. That obviously came from, like, deep-seated trauma with his, like, dad passing away and seeing his mother grieve, but, which we'll get into, but I was like, unless you are open, like, his fuckboy ways to me was when Edwina and him were talking and he's like, oh no, I still want to go, like, go through with this wedding. I'm looking for an amiable, which they said so many times and I was like, had to look that up a relationship it's like yeah Antony you probably should have talked to her about that beforehand like that's that's his fuckboy attitude I think like the things that he did with Sienna like honestly wasn't that bad because it's like going against your like whole family and dating like look what happened to Mary Sharma she literally got ousted from society because she and with like lost connection with her parents because she dated someone outside of her class and we might see that happen to Eloise too so like I'm like that is a huge decision that you have to make and as the head of the household not saying that this is right but he you know had all these expectations which we'll talk about kind of later as well but yeah I don't think that I don't know that that was like his douchiest move but maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm just distracted by his beautiful face and that fucking pinky ring anyways I think he takes the wedding too far well they all do but mostly him obviously (laughs) but I think like so I haven't read the books I want to say that but I actually think I'm going to after I probably said this in (laughs) when I recorded about season one but I think I'm finally convinced that I'll read at least the books that they cover on the tv show but apparently in the 
books, they don't take it that far. So apparently there's no wedding. And obviously they probably just needed to change it for TV. Like there needed to be a climax. There needed to be the problem that has to get solved in like the second half of the season. But apparently with the B scene, apparently... (laughs) Apparently when she gets stung, he tries to suck the venom out of her neck. And then some society mamas find them in the gardens. And then they're like, okay, you have to get married. And I was like, okay, a la Simon and Daphne. Like, Julia Quinn, did you just write this the same thing in the second book? I wrote in my notes, is this even good writing? LOL, question mark, question mark, question mark. I'll I'll find out soon, I guess. So then they get married and they're still enemies. They won't like let themselves be honest with each other. And then apparently Kate gets into a carriage accident and then he realizes he loves her deeply. And I don't even know if that'd be better. That doesn't sound as like any better per se. But like I just think that when I like a love triangle and maybe y'all know this because of my like obsession with apparently like one true love and like first loves and stuff detailed uh, for four years on this podcast but when there's love triangles and maybe this is an annoying thing about me but it's like I like when it's like a little bit clearer like a little like Edwina and Antony had like good banter and they had like a a solid relationship and like a loving relationship so then it's like I don't know I feel like it just murkies the water with Kate I just like when it's clearer like even I'm gonna bring up Twilight but like even with that like it was so it was a love triangle but it was like always so clear that she was gonna pick Edward and she explored something else a little bit but like it was always Edward and I just wish that for Antony it was always Kate and like it was I know emotionally but I'm like you literally proposed to her you literally walked down the fucking aisle to her if Edwina didn't stop the wedding you would have gone home had to consummate the marriage and like then maybe there's no turning back so I'm just like oh I just don't love that to be in those day in that day and age um but like I just don't love that to be honest I will see say the B scene I was fucking obsessed with the like weird breathing panicky attack but like also kind of like panting I was literally gonna say aroused on the podcast and that just made me want to like throw up but eye connection and then like the camera's like spinning around I was like obsessed uh with that and I loved how she put her hand or his hand on her chest and then put hers on top of it and there was a scene at the very end of the season where he puts his hand on his chest maybe when he's like finally declaring his love for her or whatever and I was like oh it would have been so cute if he took her hand and then put it on his hand again so anyways I just really liked that the venom thing I'm glad that they changed that but I know I totally know being a book reader like Twilight like Outlander like some like some of the PLL Gossip Girl like I wanted the tv shows and movies to stay so accurate to the books so I totally get if you're a a reader of the books why you would want them to yeah just like include those iconic scenes as closely as they can to the real thing what else do I want to say about Kate and Antony okay I fucking hated and this has to do with 
No, I'm not even going to say this has to do with the times. It's fucking annoying. Anthony, learn a page from Theo and Eloise, please. Because uh, your views are less than progressive. But I hated the, the like, constant reminders. Like, okay, like, it was fucking hot when Anthony was like, these are all the things I want to do. Or, like, these are the things I would want to do to you. But you're a lady and I'm a gentleman. Like, some of those things, like, I liked that. But then it was like okay, you don't have to like constantly be like, I wouldn't do these things to you because you're a lady. And when I do them with other women in the past, like they're sluts and like not classy and stuff like that. Like I just hated that. Like, well, now I'm a gentleman and you're a lady. And so like, I respect you for that. It's like, maybe she wants that. And like clearly she does so I'm like and I know that that's still like a very it's kind of like the wife material it's like oh like I would do that with like a one night stand or like a girlfriend but like not with my wife and I just hate that that's a bad way of explaining it but Jenny was mixed on their sex scene I was obsessed it's not a romance novel if the if you're reading a a, with a hetero lead couple but it's not a romance novel if the guy doesn't go down on the girl first like that's romance novels 101 uh I thought it was good I liked that it, it was like outside like okay against Simon and Daphne this must be a thing but it was well worth the wait okay Edwina is one of the most beautiful people I have ever seen in my fucking life and Kate's skin like words can't describe how perfect it is all of those close-ups of her like smoldering eyes and then like her just absolutely perfect skin made me feel bad about myself (laughs) to be honest but they're just two beautiful ladies so glad that they're the leads they could def def hold their own I love their sister bond I love when they dance together at the ball I loved their talks and their care for each other the respect that they have for each other when Edwina was like I don't actually think I know the real you like oh everything was so nice I loved the Sharma back backstory I cried at the grandparents plot line like all of that it was just really beautiful I love that that family and just the lengths that they would go go to for each other I loved that we got to see things of the Indian culture the marigolds and the bangles uh and the tea ceremonies the colors of their dresses were very different from you know the chaste white dresses of Daphne so I just loved uh, the rich deep colors that they wore the oranges the teals the purples Um, it was all just absolutely beautiful I know that they want wanted to include a more diverse cast that's really important to this show and it's important to us the viewers Anthony's trauma I believe it was April that submitted this so the bee sting lol a little bit as a person with an anaphylactic allergy to peanuts and like low-key I'm definitely allergic to bees I don't think to like an anaphylactic point otherwise I would literally not go outside but like I had to like not laugh a little bit but like I was just like okay I like this hits too close to home and it's just kind of like kind of an embarrassing way to die (laughs) 
It's not, he was like a bloody duel or something like that. Is that, was that bad? Like, I think that was bad. I feel like I was like, that's not like a manly way to die. <laughs> uh, pretend I didn't like, let's just rewind like 30 seconds. Kate and Anthony obviously really bond over the loss of their dad. So I get that. I actually wanted to like hear them talk about that even more than they did on the show. And Anthony, obviously a lot of his actions are driven by the loss of his dad him being the one there maybe his mom blaming him a little bit for his death him becoming the head of household when he was very young he didn't look young because the flashbacks they just like put like the blur filter on but the mom was like he's young he can't make this decision about like like when she was pregnant and having a tough delivery of hyacinth like she was like, he can't make these decisions. Like, he's a child. So, like, it just alludes to that, yeah, he was really young and had to take all on all this responsibility. And we see him throughout season one and season two. I think Denny was like, what the fuck do these people do for a living? All Anthony does is pay bills. But we see him with his little pocket watch and he's always pay- paying the bills. So, um, yeah, just obviously a lot of responsibilities that he had to make. He saw the grief his mom experienced. She was like MIA to her kids and yeah, like her family and the household grieving. And at the end, she admits that she regrets that. And he doesn't want a marriage with deep love like that because if anything happened, he doesn't want to go through that grief. And she says kind of that like better to have loved and lost than never to have loved again or whatever like that idiom is uh the men in this show need therapy 100% for their daddy issues speaking about daddy issues like um men rep those hard obviously we saw Simon struggling in season one now we saw Anthony in season two and yeah I just wish they had support from a therapist that they could you know work through these things because it's a they are both great examples of how trauma manifests and then you pass it on to to other generations not to take this like super fucking deep but like it just shows you how it's can stilt your live like living up to your full potential or living your best life and it shows you how it can impact those closest to you and even your children if you choose to have those. And I want to say the patriarchy and colonialism hurts everyone. This fucking head of the household thing when he was like, I don't know, 16 or whatever. I don't know his actual age, but it seemed like he was like 16 or 20 or whatever. This need for men to be stoic in times of grief um, the pressure to be the leader of the family and what does a leader mean in this case to them like to earn to take fat yeah to take care of the family financially to get married to have kids all of that shit and it fucking hurts everybody and yeah th- this is just like an example of kind of how you know the I don't want to say like the system they live in but like just the societal expectations and values and and everything uh played into this yeah really unfortunate like you know 10 15 year span of his life and just because he gets married to Kate I don't think these issues are gonna all of a sudden like go away so (laughs) 
So, yeah, it's sad. It's sad. But the bee thing, little, little, I found a little comedy in that. Okay, let's move on. I love the Bridgerton family. I just want to say that. Their ball, when no one came and then they danced, like, and I just love all their scenes in their, like, drawing room. They just seem like they love each other and they can poke fun at each other and they're just so lovely and it's such a different family dynamic. I guess we just see a lot more but like compared to like the Featheringtons and and other families and it's just really fun to watch. Okay moving on Eloise and Theo loved. Eloise I am I am planting my flag is my favorite character of the TV show. People are like oh we're not surprised she's like (laughs) the most progressive one. Not always I guess obviously progressive for the time but she does kind of shit on like ladies lunching and like caring about clothes and stuff so it's like we can do both of those things but uh, she deserves a partner with the same values as her. Uh, Her and Theo's relationship kind of touches on some of the class issues so I'm just very excited for that to be explored later on in the series I also like the one thing that with this character and I want to see them like I I want to see how they balance this but like it is really tough when the show and I'm assuming the books too are trying to push this narrative of like women don't like with Kate and Eloise it's like women don't need um a man to marry but then like we're we're cool as spinsters (laughs) um we want to have our own endeavors but then to see them both in that I'm just like I want to see how they balance that like not that they have to stay single but like I hope that we kind of see how they manage to you know, hold their own identities in the relationships. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I hope you understand. (laughs) DM me if you don't. We can try. (laughs) Like, this is becoming inarticulate. But yeah, I just hope it's like, if your narrative is, we don't need men, which obs I love. And then it kind of seems like some of it's like, okay, well, but the end is still in marriage, which is fine. But I'm like, let's show the after or something like Benedict let's move on queer baby season one scenes I was asked about this by Miri yes it seems to like make sense to have Benedict a queer character from like what we saw in season one and I'm kind of upset that it seems like they're not going down that route he got literally like no storyline in this season como hyacinth and literally the other boy that i don't even know his name i guess it like has to be a b c d e f g maybe his name starts with an f also they're alphabetized if you didn't know that anthony benedict colin daphne eloise the boy and then hyacinth okay (laughs) yeah no storyline um and I don't think he's gonna be like one of the leads in a coming season so sad for him he brings a lot of like levity and just like fun to the show so I enjoy him Penelope and Colin uh Miri says potentially hot take Penelope Featherington is too good for Colin Bridgerton that is a hot take for me because I think 
pen actually fucking sucks. And I think Colin sucks too. So maybe they're perfect for each other. I think Penelope is like low-key a bad friend. And she's like really selfish. But then on the other hand, I'm like, she's also doing something really cool. But yeah, I... I go back and forth, but she was so much more obvious as Lady Whistledown this season that I'm glad that Eloise cracked it. And I've enjoyed how they kind of use Eloise and Penelope in the Lady Whistledown storyline as the cliffhangers. Like they did that in season one and they did that in season two. So I love that. I definitely miss their like just strong relationship because it was obviously fraught this season. But yeah, I don't think Penelope is a good friend. I don't have to list all the shit she's done. We've seen it play out. I think that she's been not a good friend to Eloise like with the storylines. I think the main one was like, oh, this is shady is when she and I think the main one that I think of is when she printed in Lady Whistledown that Eloise was hanging out with like rebel rousers instead of just going to Eloise and being like, you're being accused by the queen. I'm Lady W. Let's like figure this out together because we're better together instead of me potentially doing like a pretty harsh accusation in that time um when my family when like the Bridgertons are already in peril with Antony's called off wedding so yeah I I didn't didn't love that she is still obsessed with Colin Colin I feel like is also a loser I did like the like jewelry plotline I thought that he did a really good job with that because I thought I was like oh yeah cousin Jack has got this dummy hook line and sinker but he actually proved to be a lot keener or a lot smarter than um he led on but his like Greek plotline I was just like this is so boring so maybe they deserve each other he's also like still obsessed with Marina I was like come on she like literally only liked you because she was prego and you were again like dumb enough to <laughs> like she was trying to entrap you and anyways even though I don't personally like them per se I think Penelope can win me over next season. I literally, I love that they call her Pen. I was honestly like, should I name my child Pen <laughs> or like Penelope? But um, I think she can win me over Colin. I think Lost Cause. Okay, Lady Portia Featherington like just brings so, so much comedy to like her facial expressions, her crazy pot stirring. It's just so funny she reminds me so and I see this online all the time but of oh my gosh of course I'm gonna blank on her name now from the OC Marissa's mom that's gonna kill me Julie Cooper I think that I looked that up during season one like a fucking million times like because I literally thought it was played like she was played by the same actress but she is not Prudence cousin Jack storyline was so funny and we need, again, the comedy to balance out some of the more, you know, melodramatic uh, pieces in this TV show. Miri asked Cousin Jack, hot or not? Low-key hot, but his personality obviously not. So he, it makes him ugly. But I was like, he's not bad looking. And I was like really sad that I was like, 
actually thought that they were going to move to the Americas. And I was like, I'm going to really miss the Featheringtons um, and what they bring to this TV show. And then, but they're not moving. So thank goodness we'll have them for season three. Daphne, we do get, like, I like her role. We did, we did get some nice scenes with her. She brought, a, again, like a new maturity and a new just wisdom about her to the situation with Antony and Kate. And she got better bangs. So I was just happy. I, I wish we got more of her. Okay, I've been talking about this for way too long. So let's talk about the ending and then just some like fun little bits about the music and what's going to happen next in the series. Eloise figures out pen is lady whistle down chef's kiss so much fun like it's it's just all so great how she puts it together at the ball and she gets the money and all of that stuff obviously I do really like their friendship so I do hope that Penelope comes to her senses is a better friends steps up to the plate and they get back together Kate and Antony got together a little late for me in the book like I was like or in the tv show I was like okay like they had sex I was like this is it then I, it wasn't then the horse thing and I was like this is it then it wasn't and then he like almost proposes to her and then I was like this is it it wasn't so they got together a little too late like it was like one too many will they won't they for me and then they like make out fully when they're about to play Paul Mall in front of all their sibs and their parents or like uh their mamas and I was like you you all don't talk about sex like it's it's like the worst thing ever but as soon as you get married you can like basically bone <laughs> like in front of your family it was just so weird like I was like I, I want to enjoy this <laughs> I sound like such a fucking voyeur I feel like in this fucking episode but it's like I want to enjoy this <laughs> I can't I can't I fucking can't but I can't because your sibs are like looking onward and your mom and both of your moms are like again like looking fondly at you and I was like this is just fucking weird anyways I'm the one that's like oh I can never get married so I guess I could could just never kiss in front of a bunch of people like that so um maybe it's just a me issue okay uh let me know what you thought of season two the ending the characters the romances, I would love to know. Let's talk about the music because like I said, after season one, when I was talking in my English accent, I was also listening to all of the Vitamin String Quartet covers of pop songs and you bet your ass I did that for season two. The songs they covered, Stay Away by Nirvana. Didn't realize that, but I saw it in an article I read. Material Girl by Madonna chef's kiss perfection it was so perfect I am at a loss for words and just I'm like did they know that material girl was gonna like pop off on twitter too or oh my god on tiktok too it was just it was so good diamonds by rihanna dancing on my own by robin 
I it was a literal out of body experience. It was so fucking good. I love that song. It's been iconic for 10 plus years. It set the scene so perfectly of them dancing. You ought to know by Alanis Morissette. Again, I just like words escape me at how amazing this was. There was a Bollywood song during the Haldi ceremony, Kabi Kushi Kabi Gam. That was a nice cover. There was Sign of the Times by Harry Styles when Edwina walked down the aisle. I fucking wept. Like, I'm sure people, like, all the girlies getting married in 2023 or summer 2022 are uh, sending this to their wedding planners right now. What About Us by Pink. Ugh. I love when they add in these modern pop songs into this this show. It's just so good. Uh, but let me know what one was your favorite. I think for me, might have been Material Girl or Dancing on My Own. I just can't decide, but it was just so good. Seasons three and seasons four, Netflix has already picked them up. I believe that one of them will, the main characters will be Eloise and her lover and then Penn and Colin will be the other one I'm interested in how they see this to do this too because although um Kate was 20 plus six or whatever she however she said she was 20 years 20 years and <laughs> oh my god however she said she was like 20 years old and like six months or whatever so it's like that's still young but I'm interested because I do see Eloise and Penn even though I think the Nicola and I can't remember who plays Eloise my apologies but I'm like oh I could look it up <laughs> I just don't <laughs> I think they're literally like 32 and 34 but in the TV show they obviously play the younger siblings so and like I kind of see them as like little kids or at least like you know like I don't know maybe 16 17 so I'm just interested in to see how they do yeah, like the sex scenes and like continue on the the romance aspect of it. Is it going to be as steamy when like I low-key view them as like adolescents? Because like I don't want to see that. Uh, so yeah, interested to see how that is going to go. And as I said at the throughout this episode, I have decided to read the books. I'm sure there's a billion year wait list at my library. So maybe I'll get my little Kobo version. Okay, this was... This was a lot of fun for me. I feel like I got out a lot of aggression. Who knows what it was like for you. But please message me your thoughts. I want to talk about this for, you know, the upcoming weeks. So slide into my DMs if you thought, I don't know, I was too harsh. If you agreed with me, whatever. I want to hear it all. No detail is too small to discuss. If you're not already, you can follow me on socials at RTBP Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best thing you can do is, you know, send it to a friend who would like it as well or post about it on socials that you're listening and enjoying the episode. That will help the podcast find new listeners and just keep these conversations going. I hope you are safe and healthy out there. As always, I'm your host, Tori, and I am ready to be petty See you soon. Bye.